that extra buoyancy now that might help. Swimming is one of the best ways to lose weight, apparently. Have you ever seen those videos where they put, like, the really uh, obese animals in pools and make them paddle around until they lose weight? I've seen clips of that that I always thought were just fun ways of torturing animals. I didn't realize it was, like, a real weight loss thing. I just thought everyone wanted, wanted to see, like, hey, check out this dumpy, wet cat. Isn't that fun to look at? Like, they invented a device just so we could humiliate our pets all the more. Anyway. Hi, I'm Kyle. Hi, I'm Nick. And this is the Big Bang Theory Theory. We're not talking about the episode because it was fine. Yeah. It was fine today. Yeah, no, it's it's a weird adjustment to today's episode. We're starting season three, but there it doesn't feel like anything has really changed. In a, in a way, you know, it shouldn't. Like, you don't want to come in and be watching a completely different show. Well, let's start with that. So we finished, we watched the whole season two now, and I feel like last time we asked, what was your favorite episode of season two? Which is another way of saying, what, if any, episode of season two can you remember? Kyle, please don't do this to me. Please don't try to make me remember anything that we've ever watched on this show. You know I can't do it. I'm at your mercy right now, Kyle. I think I like the episode where they went to Las Vegas. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that one just because I like the way that Raj says, prostitute. That's, uh, and, and he's trying to be very respectful about it. And that's also nice. Um... I mean, he's not doing a great job, but he's trying. He's trying. Also, I like the one with Leonard's mom. That was season two, right? Oh, I uh, I assume that was season two. Yeah, another another stern woman who I found incredibly attractive in spite of being in her 60s or whatever. But uh, we'll get some more of that later, yeah. won't we, Kyle? Won't we? Um, anyway, we should stop jerking around and do a quick synopsis of the episode. Uh, today... We watched, uh, oh, wait, no, I almost busted it. We do the title after the summer. <laughs> um, so it's the beginning, the first episode of season three, and it starts with the gang uh, coming back from an expedition to the North Pole to look for monopoles. I still don't know what monopoles are, but that's what they're looking for. And the return, uh, Leonard comes to say hi to Penny once everyone gets back to the apartment. Penny is suddenly wicked horned up for Leonard and can't wait to get him into the sack. But unfortunately, at the same time, uh, the the other two members of the gang, uh, Wallowitz and Raj, reveal to Sheldon that his incredible findings that they had at the North Pole that were surely going to get Sheldon the uh, Nobel Prize were completely fabricated and that they were feeding him positive findings so that he would be happy and they wouldn't murder him in uh, a, a bout of cabin fever or just a general bout of hating Sheldon. And so, uh, Leonard and Penny keep trying to fucking keep getting interrupted because Sheldon is being so sad. Um, Sheldon, before his friends revealed the ruse to him, had told the entire university about his brilliant findings and probably all called him a bunch of suckers or something, too. Uh, But after being found out that he was tricked, he freaks out and runs home to Texas. Uh, The rest of the gang uh, doesn't really care as much as you'd think they would. Uh, Penny is the one who is most involved or invested in Sheldon's well-being and, like, forces the rest of them to go, while Leonard the whole time is like, I just want to fuck Penny! I don't want to go and help my friend Sheldon! And, uh, but he caves in. They go help Sheldon. It takes five minutes before they can convince him to leave Texas again because Texas sucks. Kyle wants to fuck Sheldon's mom. We'll talk about that more later. He really doesn't want to, but I'm not a good friend. (laughs) And uh, then everyone comes back to L.A. or Pasadena or wherever the hell they actually live. Uh, Sheldon, not Sheldon, Leonard and Penny have the sex. 
And then they just lie awkwardly in bed, realizing that it's probably ruined their friendship. Bop, 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 bop. And the name of today's episode was... Dunla, 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 dun. The Electric Can Opener Fluctuation. Whoa. Which is a re- the way that they, they fooled Sheldon into thinking he was getting positive results was what he thought he was picking up as monopoles were actually the uh, discharges from the electric can opener that the rest of the gang were using to throw them off the scent or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's a summary of the episode. Kyle, what did you want to get into? I mean, do you ever think about the fact that one day you're just going to die? Can we just talk about our own mortality for a moment? Or do you mean in the show? Wait, what do you mean between now and in the show? I can talk about either. What 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 are you getting at here, Kyle? <laughs> it was just a, it was just you know, we're all mortal. One day, none of this is going to matter. Anyway, it doesn't so, matter now, Kyle. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, yeah. So Leonard knocks on Penny's door, and she immediately throws herself into his arms as if, uh, you know, as if they'd always been in love. I don't. I didn't think the show did a very good job of of selling the fact that they now have a connection. No, I think it. The show has done so much to show how incompatible they are that it doesn't make sense at all when they do connect. It's never like they're always just inches away from making out and things keep getting in the way. It's Leonard's a yeah, big they're, wiener. They've been constantly <laughs> around each other for like two seasons now. Then randomly he goes away. And I guess they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I've never found that to be true. Have you ever had that friend who, like, when you first meet them, you're attracted to them and you think it's going to work out. You never end up getting romantically involved, but then throughout the friendship, you're always just kind of like, you know, maybe someday. Maybe. That's like my reserve person. You know that kind of thing? Have you ever had that? Well, I have. And I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to make happen here, but it doesn't work because they just... There's no establishment of actual attraction. Like, until one of them is... It's like they, they don't like each other at all until one of them might make the other upset and then they're in love again. It's a very unhealthy relationship. Yes, but not even an amusing or, like... Like, there are a lot of fun, unhealthy relationships on television. Yeah. yeah. There are no Rachel and Ross, let me tell you. I didn't watch a lot of Friends. I assume that their relationship was better than this. <laughs> yes, or at the very least, better constructed over the course of multiple seasons. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I just kind of wonder what happened in the writers' room where they were just like, "Now is the time." Well, I think I think they just needed something to kick the season off, which is unfortunate because when the gang comes back from the North Pole, they're all rocking long hair and sweet beards, and they're all looking pretty good. And I feel like they should have focused on that a bit more. How uh, all of them, except for Sheldon, suddenly looked ruggedly and man, uh, ruggish, rugged and manly, <laughs> and uh, except for Sheldon, who had uh, an evil goatee. Um, and it was disgusting, and I'm glad that they removed it from his face. Wallowitz, however, he does decide to keep his mustache, giving him the full sex offender look that he needs to really be fleshing out his own character. So that was a that was a good, strong choice. Kyle, I think I'm not ready to move past this weird mortality question you just threw out there. That's going to be lingering over this thing this entire time. What's going on? I don't know. I'm just... Kyle, you're not invested. I can sense it. This, I don't, sh- this episode I... is about you now. Okay, that's fine. It's I'm not I'm not like upset or anything. I'm just a little tired, and I was just watching this one. And I just couldn't I couldn't connect to it. You know, Kyle, I couldn't really get into the episode. We can't talk about you being tired. You came and woke me up 
at 1.30 p.m., I was still asleep. Uh, that's that's a tired little guy. I mean, you did spend your morning, like, beating the shit out of people or whatever you do to get healthy. Yeah, that's exactly... Yeah, I just... I've expended a lot of energy. Um, are, you, are you scared that you're going to die? I mean, like, soon? I mean, because you are, but, you know, probably not for a while, at least not a few days. No, I just think, you know, I'm... I'm feeling pretty mellow today, and whenever I feel mellow, I start thinking about the, you know, inevitable entropic heat death of the universe. Do we ever talk about on the show how, uh, how playing Horizon Zero Dawn gave me a legitimate panic attack? No, let's talk about that. Okay, so, fun thing. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before only about a thousand times. I've got depression. Sometimes it gets pretty serious. Um, sometimes not. But anyway... Uh, in one of my, my sadder bouts, uh, spending a lot of time playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a PS4 exclusive video game, the, the game, ostensibly, is about some sort of tribal woman fighting robotic dinosaurs, and that's really all you need to know about what kind of game it is. Uh, except that it also has to deal with a cataclysmic event, which when I was dealing with my serious depression was so overwhelming to me that I started to pass out. And I was like trying to get up from playing the video game. And I walked away and I had to fall down on the ground because I felt so weak and scared. And then I just had to sit there and be like, I'm going to die. This is how I die. The world is ending and this is where my world ends. Because pe- the other, only other time I've had a panic attack. Yeah, both times have been way too high also. So that's a, that's a triggering factor. Um, they're not fun. Sometimes people talk about having panic attacks and like, I never, I never trust that they're actually having panic attacks because I feel like it's not something that's really easy or fun or pleasant that happens as frequently as people make it sound like it does. Or I'm just very lucky that I'm not always having panic attacks. Yeah, I think the like, um, I had to do a thing for my job once where I had to call a bunch of people, you know, and just ask them basically for business mm-hmm. and. Uh, contemplating calling those people like the first time wasn't even the actual calling it was just thinking about calling them i suddenly started to feel very very dizzy oh Oh. yeah that's the start of it yeah it was not good your vision starts to get dark also one time a lady who was about my mom's age yelled at me and just the fact that i was being yelled at by a lady who was remotely reminded me of my mother made me go into the bathroom and break down crying for like 45 minutes does this have anything to do with why you're so uncomfortable with the the hotness level of Sheldon's mom, in this I'm getting episode. more uncom- I'm getting more comfortable with it. The longer I'm Good. starting to make peace with it. Uh, you know, I was Kyle... in denial, and I was a little depressed about it, as we've seen. Uh, I was never angry. I feel like I skipped that step, but I'm I'm almost accepted now. Yeah, because I Sheldon's mom's been on the episode before on on the show before. I, what was that? Lori Metcalf is that her name? Yes, she was Aunt Jackie and Roseanne. Um, but hey, she's looking good. She's looking good. She's wearing form-fitting clothes. She's keeping it tight. She's a fun, sassy lady. And uh, for whatever reason, Kyle is like, hey, look at her, the, that skirt she's wearing. Good gravy. So but ex- then he refused. He was like, oh, my God, we can't talk about it. It's disgusting. Well, it was, I, was, it's, I feel like it's a little TMI, you know, because if there's one thing that you defines the show. You think it's TMI, <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> there's one thing that I, I think we I take- put myself out on the line every week. Um, I can never run for president. You know that. You know that, don't you, Kyle? I mean, not just because of the show, but it doesn't help. I started to say, I would, uh, um, I'll tell you what started it. So they all go when Sheldon has a, has a freak out and goes back to Texas. Uh, Raj and the gang all go back and and Raj can't speak in front of Sheldon's mom, which she points out. She's like, oh, you're still doing that thing? 
um, where you can't talk to people in front, where you can't talk to women, huh? And he nods. I was like, wait. Yeah, you seemed uncomfortable and confused by this part. Well, that, I wasn't. I wasn't uncomfortable, but I was confused, and this is where it started because I was like. I didn't think that that applied to all women. Like, I didn't think that Raj would have, like, a problem, like, speaking in front of someone's grandmother. I thought it only happened in the presence of women I was sexually... He was sexually attracted to. I think that's still true, Kyle. I didn't... So that was my next... I was like, wait, is this the show telling us that Raj is sexually attracted to Sheldon's mom? I'm sexually then, attracted and to Sheldon's And then, mom. well, that was the next question. I was like, is Sheldon's mom sexually attracted? And then I couldn't... St- and I was like, uh, well, that is, you know, if you look at... They're showing a lot of her legs in this episode, and oh it just all God. spiraled down from there. Is it? Is it because she's a mom? Is that the thing that makes it weird? You're not comfortable being attracted to a mom? Is it because she's in her, like, probably her 50s at this Yeah, time? I think it's just mostly, like, it's it's slightly weird being attracted to a much older woman. Kyle, Kyle, It's not a thing I normally feel. Kyle, 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 Kyle. Sweet, 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 sweet Kyle, sweet Kyle, my little baby Kyle, 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 just accept it, just I, love it. I did! Can't you just look at someone and be like, oh, they're attractive, and then get on with your goddamned life? Like, why well, does it I have can't. to be such a thing? Oh my goodness. I mean, I guess if it weren't a thing, we wouldn't have anything to talk about, because this episode is... A- yeah, I don't know why you have to attack me, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to understand it, but I'm having such a hard time with it, I guess. Yeah, because you want... I guess you just walk around wanting to fuck 50-year-old women all the time. No, Everyone you see. But I don't I don't feel like it's some sort of crisis if that does happen. Like, I, I, I'm attracted to somebody, and I go, huh, what do you know? And then I go about my day. <laughs> well, it's also because of the way she's coded in the episode is... Well, not in this episode, but she's, you know, she's playing very much like the weird, you know... Racist uh, old conservative button-down woman? Yeah, that. I don't know, it's just... Like, particularly in this episode, again, they're trying to... We've had this argument before about whether they're making fun of her or whether it's actually just supposed to, like... Are they actually calling attention to her racism or are they just indulging in the chance to make racist jokes by having a racist character who only appears occasionally oh i think it is absolutely that last one i like well you fought me on that before so i don't i don't remember it so it doesn't count okay um but anyway she says sheldon's like hey thanks for drawing a grilled che- uh smiley face on my grilled cheese this sandwich. is the exact thing that- and she goes oh well no problem sorry the eyes are a little uh a little narrow there i screwed up but uh, i guess you can just pretend he's chinese waka waka everybody yeah um i mean it's not the worst like racist jokes it's not necessarily no, mean-spirited but it's still there no but they're definitely doing a thing like i mean she also calls raj like a third world whatever oh, right it's because she, he can't speak to women he says oh well because one day we're gonna to figure out what her. third world demons are inside of you that's yeah not great not great this show but i don't know like we could try to talk about penny and leonard's relationship a little bit more i guess they hump that's fine i don't know i've i've made out with friends and it's been weird but it's it's, well, I mean, it's made a lot more sense than in this show too here, so we're gonna find out fairly soon but here what do you think happens in the next episode do they become an item or in the next episode do they be like Mm-mm, that was a one-time no. thing and we'll never speak of this in again next... although so they can just continue so they can reset the status quo again that's exactly what they do at the next episode i am 100 percent confident they're just going to reset it and then at the end of this season <laughs> There's going to be another event that draws them together. It's so what? There are twelve seasons that makes eleven season transitions during which they can make out 
and then one time at the end, I assume, where they finally ultimately get together. I will say, probably the cutest part of this episode is he gives her a special snowflake that he has somehow preserved chemically from the North Pole. That's a nice gift. That That was was legitimately sweet. That was wholesome. It was, I mean, let's go the opposite of wholesome. Wallowitz mustache. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't know. He's not pervy enough in this episode to really make anything of it. I guess though, uh, I was pretty grossed out when um, Leonard and uh, Penny. It's unclear whether they've hooked up yet, and Wallowitz is really pestering him about it. And when Leonard refuses to talk about it, Wallowitz is like, "Oh, I guess that's a no. I don't care, but my genitals do." And what does that mean exactly? That's like I'm not invested in this, but like. I need something that will give me an erection to think about. Like, I, I need to... No, I took it even... A, I mean, I think you need to take that exactly literally. Is Wallowitz reg- has personified his own penis, and he regularly has conversations with it. Everyone's personified of, their own penis. But, I mean, like, up in front of other people or when he's by himself, just as, even though we've never seen it before, just assume that, like, you know, he's in the middle of a study meeting, and he's like, well, you know, I... I had this thought, but then I, you know, I was looking at my penis, and my penis reminded me that actually I think the coefficient is something else. So, uh, please take that under account. I like to think of my penis as an uptight businessman who's always wearing a collar that's a little bit bit too tight. That that can't be your... I feel like you're stealing that from something. What? Why does it have to be stealing from something, Kyle? Why can't I just have a a nice, respectful image of my own wiener? Mm Mm-hmm. Who else would have that, huh? Who would I have stolen it from? Someone British. What, what only British people could have business-like dicks? Yes. Okay, that's fair. I'm, my last name is Hyde. I'm of English descent. Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, think about it, why don't you? Before you criticize my dick. Is that, like, a commoner name? Is, like, the whole point that, like, is Mr. H- is, like, I don't know. I'm just wondering now. Is it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Obviously, Dr. versus Mr., but is Jekyll like a genteel name, whereas Hyde is like a, a lowbrow? I mean, it's it's a cool name, Mr. Hyde. We should call you Mr. Hyde more. Well, people um, do, and then they're always like, like Dr. Jekyll, right? And then I never want to speak to them again. So this is dead. I am dead serious about this. I have never thought about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde hanging out with you one time until this moment. This is the first time, which is really weird. That's weirder than the obnoxious thing of having the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde comparison come up all the time. Especially considering that it's me. I don't know what was going on there. You were just such a person to me when I met you. you You weren't even a literary reference. You were not symbolic of yourself. You were just you. I am just me. And that's all I can be. And that's okay. That's fine. It's fine. Kyle, yeah. I think maybe we should just start focusing on what we, what nerdy thing we liked because we're this episode is just so bland and let's let's move past this kind of dump episode. Uh, hi, we're on social media. We've got a Facebook. We're on iTunes. Give us all the fives. Give us all the ratings. Yes, just, because we've worked so hard, as you can tell. We're working so hard. We've been doing this almost two years. We're working harder than anyone else who hasn't been doing this almost two years. Well, that's true. We're also working harder than we ever expected to work at it. So Yeah. I mean, sure, we're still incompetent, but damn it, we're doing our damnedest. <laughs> we're bringing you this Big Bang Theory coverage, which no one wants, but we're we're doing our best. Hey, there's oh, you a know predictable number of people who want it. You know what I noticed? What's that? No bazingas in this episode. Yeah, maybe there won't be for the rest of the season. And then it'll be like season four or five where it's like, oh, nope, that's like salt and pepper now. Interesting. I hope not, but it's very possible. Well, let's let's get into our nerd thing and wash this episode out of our mouths. But 
Kyle, do you have one? Do you want to go first or should I go first? Go ahead. Okay. I... So here's the thing. I, earlier in the week, I had like a good nerd thing to recommend, and I've totally spaced it out. So instead, I'm going to bring up a nerd thing cautionary tale, which is uh, I, as is very obvious, and maybe I should stop talking about it so much. I play a lot of video games, and I guess over 20 years ago now, which is crazy, I'm so old, Castlevania Symphony of the Night came out. And you absolutely should play that game. Um, there are other probably better games very similar to it you could play now, but it's a great game. But that's not actually the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about um, this game that came out just this last week, I guess, called Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, which was made by the same uh, director as Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And they're, they're side-scrolling Metroidvania games. But um, the thing about Ritual of the Night is it's almost almost as good as a game that came out 22 years ago and that's a really weird thing to get excited about um i was a, a full disclosure journalistic integrity or whatever um i was a kickstarter backer for it i was really excited about it been looking forward to the for it coming up for like four years now and now that i've got my hands on it i'm, I'm remembering once again the, the the dangerous poison that is nostalgia and how you should never give in to it. And I've been reading about how other games have done so much more since Symphony that it came out, kind of like Hollow Knight is fantastic, or like Ori in the Blind Forest, or other things like that. Um, and I, I guess I just want to say, like, nerds, move on with your lives. Everyone loved that game. You can still love it. You don't need to have a new exact same game. Same thing with this Final Fantasy VII remake that's going to come out. Like, you know, it's probably going to be fine. It's not going to be the game you played when you were 13. It's just not. Um, and so what I would say in closing for my little kind of anti-recommendation is as much as I play old games and as much as people may accuse me of being like a nostalgia whore, it's a terrible poison and you should stay away from it. Um, also play Symphony of the Night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think, I mean, I thought that was mostly a measured take. I don't think there's anything wrong with, the, well, like the first part of what you said sounded right to me which is you know there's nothing wrong with loving a game you know that you loved when you were 13 mostly because of it reminds you of how you felt when you were 13 but to act like to act like legitimately like how you feel about it is the same as the actual quality of it i think is the big mistake that people always make um yeah i think that is that's well and it's a huge issue i think especially amongst gaming types who really are not good about criticism <laughs> Like are notoriously terrible about it, and have started horrible social social movements based around it. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say film people do it too, but actually, you're right. The yeah, I don't think there's been a the gamer gate for films quite yet, or there probably has. Well, I mean, they're like the people who want the Zack Snyder cut, and the people who don't like that. You know, a girl is the star of Star Wars now, but that's it's it's yeah. not. It hasn't reached nearly well. That's not true either. There's Different definitely been some harassment, toxic, but it yeah. hasn't been hasn't been as prolonged and pronounced and prolific. Yeah. Um, also, I will make another just wholehearted. I, I don't want to recommend this completely because it's not like a nerdy thing, but I started watching the show Letterkenny, uh, Canadian comedy show. I think it very, very accurately depicts what it's like to be in a small town in the rural area where you're just dealing with hicks and meth heads. Uh, it's very funny. There's a surprising number of fight scenes. So I will give that my legitimate 100% recommendation. 
and still, on the other hand, say, be wary of nostalgia. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, your turn. Interesting. So this isn't, I mean, this movie did make me happy, but this is mostly, I'm just going to give you my review of Toy Story 4, spoiler th- free. I hope that's okay. It better be spoiler free, not just for my sake. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, but basically, I saw Toy Story 4 yesterday. Um, you know, this is probably one of the most popular and beloved film franchises of all time, certainly for my generation. And it's weird that a fourth one even exists. Um, because as many people pointed out, like the third one was basically the perfect encapsulation and ending of the series. So they do something interesting without like getting into any of the particulars. It's mostly a tonal choice. So they made a fourth one and they were like, this one isn't going to be about, cause the third one, it basically, it encapsulated the life cycle of like what it's like to be a toy. It's like the first one is like, you're a toy, you exist to make children happy, you get caught up in these weird hierarchies of, like, who is the best toy, and you have to, you know, remember that that's not what's important, that what's most important is making kids happy, and it's fine. And the second one is like, ah, but someday maybe your kid's going to outgrow you or forget about you or whatever. What are you going to do about that? Let's not think about it too hard, but that's weird, right? What's life look like after that? And the third one sort of answered that question and be like, well, best case scenario, you find a new kid. And... It's it's sad for a moment as you make that transition, but that's you know that's the life cycle. So then they made a fourth one. And they're like, well, what the fuck is this gonna be about? And instead of like examining any of those big questions because they already closed them out, they were just like focused on what the actual like psychological experience of being a toy is. Like, there's just a lot of weird existential stuff in this movie, even by like you know Pixar standards. It's just like Woody running around being like, well, you know. We were just built by capricious, you know, magical forces that we don't understand to provide satisfaction to children. That's really the only way we will ever find meaning in our lives. But that doesn't have to be everything that defines us. But insofar as that is what defines us, we should try to fulfill our purposes as best we could. But God knows it's not something we have any choice over. It is literally just who we are. It is all just some sort of magical, magical materialist determinism that we are the pawns of, like, you know, you know, uh... Puppets caught in an unholy machine. But, you know, it's still cool. <laughs> I mean, it's actually, it's more positive than that because... I hope. I'm watching this tomorrow and I'm scared it's going to just, like, destroy the rest of my week. Well, no, it's actually, it's really upbeat, but it's upbeat for how it interrogates all of that and then talks about how you can make your peace with that and then, you know, make different choices. But it's, it is weird. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've always because of course I did I've always loved the Toy Story movies it's just part of like my generation's thing and who I am but this one is the first one that adds like uh, existential a sense of existential angst and sort of uh, the self-awareness of your own like limitations and needs and and the fact that like time and luck is the only thing really separating you from tragedy or horror and it's awareness of that is really what finally made me see the toys sort of like as analogies for the human experience in a really strange way. It took you till this one too. Yeah, because in the rest of them, they're just magic fucking talking toys. I mean, I love them, Kyle. but they weren't people; they were toys. In this one, it's like, oh, I get it. They're just—they're meta. They're us. The toys are us. What were they before, Kyle? They had struggles, human struggles. You 
Well, so I'm going to break the fourth wall here because somebody, Nick, you told me before we were talking, you've never even seen half the Toy Story movies. No, but I've seen the first one and I didn't think, I can't relate to this. <laughs> There's toys. <laughs> I didn't say I couldn't relate to it. I just said that I didn't relate to it as fully as I like related to my own internal struggle of trying to find a definition in life. I get that Woody's got a real arc in this film, but he is just a little cowboy. I don't understand exactly. what that has to do with me. Exactly. Oh, that is Kyle. exactly how I felt. They're objects, they're not people, except now I get it, they're people. Well, I'm glad that you can finally see them as people, Kyle. That's really brave of you. <laughs>